When people think of the future, when people think of the future, they think technology. Tech, tech, tech. Take a drive through town. What do you see? You don't see tech, do you? This is the On Grade Podcast. This show is about construction and the people who make it happen. Whether you want to start your own business, grow your business, or learn more about construction, we'll have on the pros. From business owners to industry leaders, you'll hear about new equipment, building a company, and growing your business, and how the construction industry is changing. Let's do it. This is the On Grade Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Brandon Weinlein and Devin Boudreaux. Hey, everybody. Welcome to On Grade. This is episode 20. I am your co-host, Brandon Weinlein, and I got my co-host, Devin Boudreaux, in the studio. What's going on, dude? Oh, you know, another day, another dollar. You? It's hotter than Hades out right now. Yeah. Pretty good in here, but uh, yeah, it feels good in the in the house. Yeah, uh, we got a special guest, everybody, tonight for you. His name is Daniel Villanueva. He is the pre-construction manager over at Moss Utilities in Dallas, Texas. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Thank you. Appreciate the invite. Now, I appreciate you coming on, man. And uh, such short notice. We keep having this problem where everybody says they're going to come, and then the last second they're like, "Oh, dude, I can't come." So Daniel was a trooper for me. I reached out. What I reach out to you like Tuesday, yeah, or Wednesday, <laughs> Monday, Monday, yeah, some, yeah, somewhere around and, there. Uh, yeah. He's like, bro, I'll be there. And so uh, he's been. To, he was a trooper and came on the show to help us out tonight. Here we are. Awesome. So um, glad to be here. Real quick, I just want to get some housekeeping done real quick, Daniel, and then we'll get started on your story, sir. I just want to say thanks everyone for all the support. We finally hit a milestone. We had a thousand downloads in a week on our last two episodes. So that is awesome. Thank you, everybody. Also want to give a shout out to Certified Wrench and Dirty and Driven for all the support they've been giving us. Also shout out to, uh, you know, Devin over there at Ruben for helping out with everything and sharing the crap out of the show for us. Do what I can, you know, show yeah. up. Yeah. Bless you with my presence. Bless you. <laughs> been an amazing co-host and friend um but i just want to say thank you guys for all the support on that and uh also we've been getting a ton of emails when we uh said we were going to give out those hourly rates sheets mm. so uh i had about seven or eight guys reach out so i sent it over to them didn't reveal any trade secrets but just you know utilization rates and stuff so i sent that to them so if anybody else wants it guys like i said on the last episode just email me it's on grade 88 at gmail.com. So, all right, let's get to it, though. So, Daniel, I know you've been in the industry for a long time now. Give us a little bit of a background about you, sir. Straight out of the woman, my uh, dad is was doing rebar work when uh, my mom was pregnant. So I was literally born into uh, the construction industry. I uh, watched my dad build houses over the years. In the 90s, he started, uh, started and ran a small foundation repair business. So I got introduced to, uh, you know, concrete and dirt manual labor type type stuff and then worked as a carpenter for a couple of uh, big companies around uh, the metroplex and um, got tired of construction took a small break and realized that construction was really my passion and uh, worked my way back into it my um, brother um, was probably the one that brought me my lucky opportunity where um, he was uh, working as a grease monkey for a utility company in the metroplex that's no longer in business he mentioned that they were looking for an estimator so with whatever, whatever little knowledge I uh, had at the time and a lot of will, I uh, 
took a week off from the job that I had at the time and went and interviewed. And my interview was, you know, running a takeoff and putting a utility takeoff together and then got an opportunity to to join the team as an estimator, as a very young and uh, green estimator. And um, now here I am 16 years later. So blessed to be in the industry and, and, and thankful to be in the industry. So. So you learned from a fire hose right off the hop. Right off the top, man. <laughs> I had very little knowledge about utilities. I had the privilege to have a very smart mentor uh, to you know, kind of took me, a civil engineer that took me under his wing when I was in middle school, high school. And we popped the manhole open and saw how shit flew, literally, you know, how shit drained <laughs> down the line. And then um, it instigated a little passion in me for, for utilities. And then when Blue Ridge gave me the opportunity to uh, to come join them as an estimator, Man, I took it with open arms and, and I really gave it my everything. So it was a great opportunity at the time. And now, again, here I am 16 years later. So, yeah, man, it's, 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 uh, it was a blessing. That's awesome, man. That's that's really cool. I, you don't hear that. Well, I guess Ryan was kind of the same thing, too. Just kind of yeah, he, fell into it. But yep. especially utility, it's uh, that's one thing that you you don't really get a lot of experience in until you're into it, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, I had to call a hundred times and maybe a thousand times, but um, finally, you know, cracked the door open, and I'm yeah. glad I, I I persisted and uh, I was given that opportunity. Man, very thankful. It's awesome. one of the it's it's the unsung heroes of our industry. I mean, they're the guys that get the work. Oh God, you know. <laughs> I mean, without an estimator, construction companies wouldn't exist. I mean, really, you, you got to bid work, and if you don't have an estimator, you ain't getting no work. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, you know somewhere between a glorified salesman and uh, underappreciated engineer. Again, I'm a college dropout, so originally I got a little bit of college in um, early 2000s and took a break. Never went back and got the opportunity to join the uh, construction industry, the heavy civil industry, and it, it was um, it's been great. Like I said, we we are glor- you know we. We have to do. We have to play different hats. So we have to know what we're dealing with on the on the construction side, and also also have enough skills to sell our work. Well, the thing you got to quantify what it is that you're bidding because when you're when you're estimating, it's you're really estimating the cost of the job, but it's the cost can vary based on how you're going to do the job. So really, in in essence, as an estimator, you're really planning the job out before you're even doing it to be able to put a cost to it. Yeah, and that's the it takes a lot of skill. And a lot of knowledge to be able to do that. It takes a lot of experience, man. Event, you know, we we all got to start somewhere and uh, hopefully learn quick along <laughs> the way. Because you know, you know, as a business owner, that you can only take so many hiccups and so many boo boos before you start hurting really, really bad. So emphasizing and minimizing those boo boos definitely definitely helps the owners. You know, keep on going. So when you started out, was it all? Like, obviously, now you're using software and stuff automated for estimating. When you started, was it in software right off the hop or old school? Old school way, or? baby. I had a uh, an HP plotter, and, uh, man, I, um, we, we printed every uh, hand takeoffs all the way. Yeah. Honestly, it was Scaling everything by yeah, hand. Yeah, so back around 2000, right after the recession, 2008, I, um, Blue Ridge shut down around 2010. I went to work for a flooring company for a couple of years, and I actually helped them implement on-screen takeoffs. So we moved away from paper takeoffs to on-screen. And that was my first true experience with on-screen takeoffs. I then went back to the utility world, missed it too much, misplaying miss in the dirt too much. So I got back into um, into utilities and I uh, came across PlantSwift. Mm-hmm. And I've been using PlantSwift on and off for the last 
10, 12 years. Can you go into a little detail for some of the listeners uh, about Plan Swift? Because a lot of the guys that listen to our show, which I'm sure you're figuring out, they're they're the up and coming guys. They're not quite established yet. Yeah. They're you know they're in their infancy period. So we're a lot of guys ask us all the time about softwares. All right. So there's different on screen takeoffs softwares out there. Right. There's different um, on screen takeoffs that depending on your needs are are, are good for you. Plan Swift has been around for a long while. There's Bluebeam out there. Play with both of them. There's um, the original, the OG is the OST. OST, yeah. Bring back some memory there. Yeah, so then iSquare Food came up with their own version of OST. It's a tool. Yep. Just like Actec. Plan Swift has the ability to actually populate an entire bid if that's what you want it to do. Um, Right now, uh, we're only using it for our takeoffs. And it's great for takeoffs. You can do, you know, you import your drawings, preset up your assemblies or build them as you go. And it's really easy to use. It's a, it's a Windows-based product type deal. So it's really easy to to learn and maneuver. I can take several estimators brand new from, from that you know, that came from paper takeoffs to on-screen takeoffs. And within 30 minutes, they're able to navigate them, you know, their way through uh, Plan Swift. So really intuitive. It is. It's very, it's, it's very user-friendly. You know, just, it has its pros and cons, depending on what you want it to do. There's better programs, and there's, there are worse programs out there. It just depends what you want to do with that software. Bluebeam is great. Worked with Bluebeam since like 2016, I believe. And uh, it's great as well. It does takeoffs. It does document management. It does comparisons. It does all kinds of good stuff. So it just depends on what you're trying to do, what, whatever you want the software to do for you. Again, it's just a tool. Yeah, so. you got to be able to use it. At the end of the day, it's yeah. it's a tool. So, I've messed with Bluebeam. I still use Bluebeam quite a bit for just when I want to do like quick distances and stuff. It's yeah. easy to pull up and just point point. Oh yeah, it's great measurements. Yeah. I like that for that. It's just simple. But I haven't gone too in depth in Bluebeam. I find I get pretty confused and lost when I try to do anything right. much more than that. It's a great tool as well. It's, yeah. it's another great tool out there. So, oh, that's awesome. When we're doing moisture conditioning, that's actually when we use it the most because um, a lot of times the GCs want to know, as you would know, that they want to know how much of the pad you have done is available so they can get the period called out or whatever. So what we do is a lot of times when we turn in our billing, we'll actually turn them in a blue beam drawing that's marked up showing, okay, this is the slots we have done. This is the slots that have select on them. So you have this much square footage available to get the rig out to start drilling piers on and setting your corners. Because you know how it is on a lot of these huge pads. They You can't wait to have it handed all over the concrete guy. So on that end it's great for us i i, I can see the visibility especially in utilities oh, y'all yeah. can trace your lines out and be like hey i've got all my sanitary done up to this point i've got you know all this done to here and that way the gc's kind of knowing exactly where they're at on the job it is a great tool for that when yeah. you want to especially yeah. when you're trying to prove a point too um you know when they're like you ain't got that much done it's like well actually this is where we're at right now yeah it's you know? great for a quick count is uh I haven't used the uh so I've used it more for um document management and comparisons yeah a quick uh, overlay mm. the, it has a great takeoff portions to it that I, I've haven't used as much as I've used plan Swift but yeah it's great I like it it's got a bunch of AI built into it nowadays I want to say they moved to a new model before you bought a license you bought a key mm-hmm. and it was yours for life so if you if you're if you have one of those old school licenses man it's yours yeah, they've now moved to a um, subscription based subscription based yeah. deal. So yeah, it, that's the scary thing about some of them. Like I, I'm glad I'm kind of grandfathering on a couple of softwares because I've been hearing about that that now they're trying to charge you per user and it's per month now instead of well, it's reoccurring revenue. It's smart business, yeah. but it sucks as the user. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, 
again, not to talk down on Plan Swift, but Plan Swift is the same way. You buy the original key, is yours, but then you have to buy a yearly maintenance fee. So every it's year, an annual like maintenance that. fee. So you have to pay the you know five hundred dollars, seven hundred dollars annual fee, and so it, again, it's just a tool, and it depends. You know, it depends. It's up to you what you want to do with that tool and then just capability. So no, that's awesome. Do you still find yourself going back to paper takeoffs at all, or is everything digital for you? We are doing 99.9 digital. Yeah. Uh, the only time we do, and here you go, you'll, you'll probably appreciate this. The, the, one, of the, one of the few times where we actually use paper is when I tell my guys to, all right, bring me a print out your board log and let me see where, where the rock is at so we can, you know, build up our uh, excavation, rock excavation uh, equipment or crews. Mm. So all of our takeoffs are done on screen. Oh, that's awesome. How many guys do you have estimating in the apartment now? Oh, we have six, seven of us. So, it's, so you're churning yeah, out a lot of estimates. It's grown, yeah. I came over as a senior estimator in 2020, and uh, about 2021 or so I got promoted to, uh, I got the opportunity to be the vice president of our department. That's awesome. And so we um, have watched a couple of our guys grow tremendously over the last three years. Man, It's, it's been a pleasure. That's awesome. Working with them, they they have a lot of heart. They have a lot of will. They um, they're young, motivated. They're they're, they're 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 I call them my killers, man. They're 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 killers that go out there and, and we can go toe to toe with whoever you put us up against just because of the the sheer will and, and you know energy that they have. So that's yeah, awesome. It's been a pleasure working with them. Are you guys using drone software much at all? Are you implementing that at all, or is it not something you guys are doing yet? No, we uh, we we're using Plan Swift for our takeoffs, and we're using uh, Heavy Bid to build our bids, our proposals. So. Yeah, 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 nice. So, one, something I want to talk about, we've actually never talked about, is and you're the pro at this. We were talking about the <laughs> last hour in the kitchen before uh, everybody else showed up. Tell us the best way to start a pre-construction process for a company. If you were going to be doing it yourself, what things you would implement? It goes down to it comes down to um, having the team that really sees and understands the vision, that really sees where you're trying to build, and that stands behind you 100% of the time. The lack of experience we can overcome, the uh, lack of equipment we can overcome. I was talking to uh, somebody in the industry and last week, here within the last couple of weeks. So at Moz, we implemented traction. So we evaluate our people and. You know, every individual that we try to bring on, do they get it? Do they want it? And do they have the capacity to, to, to get the job done? This individual that I was having a couple of drinks with, hanging up, uh, hanging out after work, took it beyond that and simplified it. And was like, do they give a fuck? Do they care about what they're doing? Because if they care about what they're doing, it's easier for me to, to teach them and coach them through the process. If they don't care about what they're doing, it doesn't matter how much I coach and how much I try to teach. They're not going to pick up the lesson. So um, having the right people. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what kind of takeoff software you have or how much technology you have or how much money you have. If the people that you have working for you don't care, if they don't get it, if they don't want it and they don't have the capacity to do it, you're spinning your wheels in the mud and you're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. But if you have those individuals or as many of those individuals on your team, you're going to go somewhere. Yeah. I've always done that. I hire, I've always said this, like I, I don't focus my hiring drive on, skills necessarily it's more so on the person their mindset their personality you know are they hungry do they want to learn because at the end of the day you can teach people skills a whole lot easier than you can teach them to give a fuck if you've got a person that doesn't care or they don't care about their presentation or themselves how they carry themselves 
that carries over to everything. Someone shows up and they're dressed clean, prim, proper. You can tell they take pride in, you know, their appearance. That's the first step. And then you can look at their vehicle and, you know, what their mannerisms are like and how they talk about their past employers and stuff. You get a really good sense of how that person thinks and how they view the world in a sense. And if you get from somebody who really cares about what they do and they take pride in what they do, the skills aren't that important because you can teach skills very quickly to someone who cares and wants to learn. And that's, that's the biggest key. We have a lot of people in the industry that are just there collecting a paycheck, man. That's it. They're just punching in, punching out, right? That's, that's, I think our biggest downside in the industry is you have a lot of people that it's just, it's job, you know? So when we first started, I had a separate, I had a different estimator than we have now. And we'd get out on jobs and every job almost, there would be just massive issues with it. You know, we'd miss something or, you know, anything like that. And I brought Pete on a couple of years ago and talking about what you two are just talking about today. Actually, we're sitting outside and after our operations meeting, all the guys were there and Robert and Pete are talking to me and Pete goes, man, this bid I'm doing right now, these drawings, they're, they're shit. They're just, they're terrible. He's like, I'm not even going to give this guy a number. I'm not going to waste our time finishing the takeoff with this because I can't, there's no spot grades. There's no elevations, anything. That's a guy that cares. Because the guy that don't care, he'd go, okay, well, I'll just trace it. I'll figure it out, blah, blah, blah. Draw it in and be completely probably wrong, get you the wrong quantity, bid the job, and then the GC's calling you, oh, man, your, your bid's perfect. Well, let's give you the job. And then you get out on the job and you're trying to build the model for the job to actually put it in the machines and your surveyor calls you and he goes, I can't build a model off these plans. <laughs> and the next thing you know, you're – Yep, you know what? Without a paddle, so yeah. that's experience, though. But that's a guy that gives a shit, and you know we we bring guys in sometimes to help him out. He weeds them out in a week. He calls me, nah, this guy, oh, yeah. this guy ain't got it, and you know we keep trying to fill the slot, and we'll give a guy a shot, and like you talk about, you know, if if they ain't got the drive for it, send them down the road, man. They can go work somewhere huge that. You know, there's 500 of them and nobody notices, you know, whatever. When you're when you're wanting to build a good culture and build a good company, you need to have guys that want to build it with you because at the end of the day, it's a team and it's a full, it's a big circle like we were just talking about earlier. It's a circle of life, man. Yeah. You got to have a kick-ass estimating team. You got to have a kick-ass pre-construction team, kick-ass project management team, and a kick-ass field team. If you have those four things, man, you, nobody can stop you. Well, you got to be able to paint the vision too, right? As the owner of the company, running the show, head of the department, you got to paint the vision of where it is you're going, and your guys got to see that and they got to buy into it. Exactly, you want to you want to have as many individuals around you that clearly see the vision, yeah. clear and clearly understand the vision, so they can, you know they have to buy into it. Because if they don't buy into it, it doesn't matter how much you know how much you care about the the mission or how you know how 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 much time you spend trying to paint the picture. They they just don't care. You know, a lot of it has to do with the you know, used to owning it, you know, I'm pretty sure you read Jelko's Extreme Ownership book, too, mm -hmm. you know, yep. if your finger, you know, if your point, if you, if your fingers are always pointing outwards and not inwards, then I don't want you on my team. I want you to own it. Whether you, whether you made the mistake yourself or, it, you know, it was a shortcoming or whatever it is, what could you have done better? What can you do better to prevent that from happening again so that we can keep on painting and building this beautiful vision that we're trying to accomplish? Yeah, it's not about putting blame it's more so about accepting responsibility and then exactly. finding a way to get around it 
do better in the future. Something, really what it is. something I will say that you and me, I know definitely have in common. And I know you do too, Daniel. Um, I tell my guys, if I'm wrong, tell me, you know, a lot of guys, they, they got this pride thing in their head. You know, I'm, I'm top dog, man. I can't do no wrong. If I make a mistake, man, I expect my guys to call me out, you know? Yeah. And they do. And I tell them, I'm like, speak your mind. Did I do something wrong today? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we shouldn't have done that. Blah, blah, blah. And it's, it makes you a better leader. Yep. Leadership. You should, you should ask your guys, how do you think we're moving as a team? Well, and listen to when Mm -hmm. you ask that question, actually listen to the answer. Don't just see there's two types of listening and a lot of people just listen to answer a question. So, you know, someone's talking and you're listening to what they're saying and you're formulating an answer in your brain as to how you're going to respond or rebut what they're telling you actively listening to the person and hearing what they're saying rather than just listening to answer, listen to understand. That's a big thing that a lot of people fail to do in leadership. And that's something that everybody can work on. Oftentimes we have several different balls floating in the air and we're juggling all sorts of emails and requests and thousand different things. Um, When an estimator comes into my office and he's seeking my opinion, I might be in the middle of an email, but I respectfully ask to like, hey, let me wrap this up. I close every window that I have open on my computer and I give them my full attention. Mm-hmm. Because if they took the time to come into my office and ask for my opinion, then it must be something that it really matters to them. Mm-hmm. So I owe them that. And again, it goes back to they, they want to contribute, they want to add, they care about what they're doing, therefore they're seeking out some guidance. So I owe it to them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the very least I can do. Now that I'm in a leadership role, it's a completely different than just being an estimator to where I just got to produce two to four bits a week and hopefully, you know, bring one of those four in, my week is done. Now it's more of, a, well, how can I make this team better? What can I do to help this team, you know, progress and move up? So I owe it to them guys. It is it's truly a pressure, a pleasure to work with those guys, those guys that want to learn, those guys that care about what they're doing. Yeah. So. I want to go back and touch on something. So traction, how long ago did you guys implement that? How long have you been doing that? Oh, I want to say about two years ago. And uh, we started about two years ago, slowly started implementing it. It's a great book. It's a great program. It's a good EOS. It's it's simple, takes some studying, and it takes a lot of effort to implement it, but it really does bring a lot of value. If you re- if you follow it, if you listen, if you, if you utilize the tools that are given within it, it has a lot of value. So anyone that's listening that doesn't know what it is, Traction's a series of books, not just a series of books, but... The- the book he's referring to is Traction, and it's basically talking about, it's an employee operating system is what they refer to? It's an entrepreneur operating, operating system, system, yeah. Yes, so basically it's a, a set way to run your business and to manage the people in the business and to grow the business. Clean, simple process. Yep. It, it's very, uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it, they really do uh, emphasize and they really do, uh, do uh, take the approach to less is more. So yeah. let's keep it simple, let's keep it you know to a minimum, but maximize those those. Uh, those little activities that we do and get the most out of them. And that's like anyone listening to this, especially guys in the dirt world, you know, we're terrible for this. 99% of us are, we started in the industry. We had some experience. We're good at doing the job. We're not necessarily great business operators, you know, and that's where EOS comes in. EOS can be used in just about any industry, any business, doesn't matter what it is. It's just a simple, easy to follow way to run your business. And that's, what it is and you're the third company that i've come across down here that's actually running 
track or running EOS and, and using traction. It's Man. something I've been looking into quite a bit. And I firmly believe in it. Um, it it's safe. Uh, if you really buy into it, it will do, you know, your business will do great. Some of the most successful businesses out there utilize it. I can't, you know, I can't say en- enough good things about it. And even the ones that don't are usually ones that have some type of system they've implemented that works and runs similar to it. You know? Well, it has many lessons, right? So to touch back into what, what uh, you were saying uh, just a short while ago to where, we're, you know, as a business owner, we're not great at everything in life. Um, one of the things that Traction points out is that everybody's got a unique ability. Once you identify your unique ability, then you are, you know, you can live a happier life because you focus on what you're really capable, you know, what you're really good at doing. And then you start bringing people in to help you out on those things that you're not great fill at. In the, fill in the gaps. Exactly, yeah. to fill in the gaps. So it's a great book, man. I can't, I can't speak, you know, I can't say enough good things about it. I can't speak, you know, highly enough about it. I uh, did 75 hard last year. Nice. And uh, as part of my reading uh, material, I read the book seven times in, you know, <laughs> in, awesome. in 75 days. So it, it was, it, it's a great book. I, again, I firmly believe in it. That's awesome. This is your first time doing 75 hard or? First time and I completed it all. all That's 75, awesome, 75 days. So, uh, I put on about 15 of those pounds that I lost, but <laughs> man, it just, it was great. I, uh, it showed me up. Um, I learned a lot. You going to run phase one, two, three? So at the beginning, uh, right around February, March of this year, I started up again. I made it to about day 20th, and then uh, I quit. But not because I, f- I failed willingly. <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 I had, I, I, uh, we had something come up, and, and uh, I, I was, I, I could have. Um, I'm going to own it. It was all me. I um we had to do a little windshield time and, you know, little bitch voice came up and, uh, yeah. So I, <laughs> I, I, I took the, I took the little bitch way out, you know, out of it. Um, uh, I'm going to do it again though. Nice. Uh, I, 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 I love doing it the first time I learned a whole bunch from it. I actually took a bunch of lessons and on the second, on the second round this year, I was actually going above and beyond my activities. Yeah. So I was knocking up all the tasks with plenty of time left in the day. Again, I learned a whole bunch from it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing it again. That's awesome. Anyone else that doesn't know, 75 Hard, Andy Frisella. Look him up. He's on Instagram. He's got a podcast called the MFCO Project. I think, actually, it's Real AF now. He's what got me into business years ago, the original MFCO Project. I, uh, I started listening to that back when I was running Crane, and that's kind of where my mind thinking in the right way and got me into this. But awesome, dude. Tons of great knowledge. Yep. 75 Hard is a great program. And uh, if you haven't done it or you want to do it, look into it. It's, it's a ton of value. Oh yeah. Probably the best thing you ever do. It is. It's so one of the best qu- things. Not trying to interrupt either one of you. Cause you guys got a awesome thing you're talking about. I am going to put links at the bottom on the YouTube video and on the Spotify for the traction book and for the 75 hard. So we just got to get the RSS feed, I guess, for their podcast. And, we'll yeah, put that stuff. In there. and if you guys, yeah. any of the people listening are really looking into a uh, reading traction, there's another book called Get a Grip. It's a fictional version of Traction. It presents a fictional scenario, and it's re- it's a really great read prior to Traction. That way you kind of understand what, what Traction is about. The book Traction itself is great. It's 270 pages, maybe somewhere around there at the most. So it, it's really easy reading. Gino does a great job at 
put in other facts. So. You guys got to remember too, especially a lot of us that are smaller contractors, we're in the truck all day. The perfect time to listen to a book oh, yeah. is in the truck when you're oh, driving. Yeah. So I know for a fact traction is on audio books. I listen oh, yeah. to it on audio book when I listen to it. So <laughs> yeah, no, it's there. I yeah. haven't gotten to implement it yet. Um, I started listening to it when you got me onto it. What was it like almost a year ago? You started talking about that with me. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to get into it. I just haven't implemented it yet at the office. I got to get all the guys to listen to it and read it. So, it's, so one of the things that I highly recommend is that you not fully understand, but that you understand the vast majority of what Gina is trying to accomplish yeah. with that on that book, because it'll help you paint the picture of uh, what you're trying to accomplish. I'm also going to go real old school right now. Everybody in this room knows this one, but some people might not. Another book you need to check out, Sun Tzu, The Art of War. Oh, yeah. That is one of the <laughs> best books for anything almost in life. I actually just started reading that again whether last week. Whether it's combat, whether it's being a badass mechanic, whether it's being a badass operator, whether it's being a badass pipe fitter, estimator, project manager, construction owner, truck driver, whatever it is, dude, that book applies to life in so many different ways. Sun Tzu, The Art of War. You cannot go wrong with that book. There's a couple books that everybody in the world should read, but you got The Sun Tzu, The Art of War, As a Man Thinketh. Traction, if you're a business owner, definitely needs to be on that list. Oh, yeah. How to win over friends and influence people. Like those are, that's your, your foundation to life, basically. You yeah. uh, you read those and you're going to go places. And we, we're living in a great time where uh, we have the, we have access to so much information and so much knowledge. It's amazing that, you know, we can old school ways still pick up a book and read it. And like you said, we, we're, we're in the vehicles at least at the very, I mean, Myself, I drive to the office ninety percent of the time or better, and just you know, I would drive there and I would drive home, so that's two hours that I can. You can crash a book in a week, mm, no exactly. problem. Exactly, and then you know, it, it. Me, I'm 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 not as young as I used to be, so it takes me a little bit longer to learn new things. So, actually, reading the book, listening to the book, and writing some notes down is is probably the best way for for things to stick around. But, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's you touched on some of the great books out there. Um, there's a whole bunch of great books out there. So that'll help you expand your, your knowledge and you know, your base. So yeah. Everyone in this space really can do nothing but learn value from reading to books, listening to books, podcast. It's, it's how you learn knowledge. You know, at the end of the day, you're doing a job that you probably know really well day in, day out. You're working with the same people day in, day out that know the same things. You know, where are you actually learning new things from, you know, and that's, that's what books and podcasts and audiobooks give you, you know, you have the ability to just pull it up on your phone and listen to it. Yeah. You're in a machine all day. You're in a truck all day. Why aren't you educating yourself rather than just jamming up to satellite radio? And, exactly. Same song know. over in yeah, your exactly. favorite cumbia or thing, yeah. you know, or, you know, country song, you know, over and over again. Come on. Listen to something out there. Something, <laughs> yeah, you something, something about your, different. Uh, yeah. your dog running away and your truck dying and uh, your girlfriend leaving you so many times. Uh, right? I literally, <laughs> I've gotten to the point now I don't even listen to music. So it's funny when I get in the truck because she'll, She'll have the country station on and the song come on. And I go, I never heard this song. She goes, this song's been out like two months. I'm like, yeah, I listen to podcasts or I listen to audiobooks. And I realized that's when I became my dad. Because, you know, when we were all growing up, our dads listened to like sports radio or, you know, talk radio, like, yeah. AM channels. And you're like, oh, you're old. <laughs> you know, that's like all the old people listen to AM channels. Now we're, we're, we're listening to podcasts. So it's like, oh, you're old. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
Honestly, you're just smart if you're doing that, guys. Exactly. Yeah, so I know COVID was bad for a lot of people out there, and I hope we don't get flagged for for me bringing that word up. But um, personally, it was one of the best things that happened to me. A lot of reading, a lot of podcasts, a lot of self exploration. Like I wanted, to, I wanted to grow more and, and see what I could do to help me be ready, uh, make myself ready for for you know for the next for the next episode. And uh, that's how I came across uh, you know extreme ownership can't hurt me and. A whole bunch of other books that that have really opened up my, uh, you know, my horizons, my you know, the way I look at life. So that's awesome, man. I've discovered probably since we started podcasting, we met so many people. I mean, I, I've learned so much running this show. It's been awesome getting all this free knowledge that I I thought I knew, and I learned this a long time ago. But it applies so much to life and also in business. But if you ever stop learning, dude. You're going to die. You're a dinosaur. You, you got to constantly learn. There's always something new to learn. The day you stop learning is the day you start dying, man. Yeah, That's it's, what it is. It's, you got you to gotta constantly every day, you got to listen because you learn a heck of a lot more with these open and this closed than you do with this thing open and those closed. And you were kind of saying that earlier, but, you know, I just, I want the OG way of saying it. So, <laughs> what would you say is a good candidate? For a good project manager slash estimator, what do you look for in a guy when you're hiring one? Touching back on what we uh, said before, you have to care about what you're doing. We can overcome an experience. One of the things I do with, with, with our team is we have this bit review process. Nine out of ten bits that go out the door get reviewed in my office. We review them as a team, the lead estimator. So the way we're set up is um, I'm the vice president. I have two lead two lead estimators that help me run the rest of the guys. We have a couple of uh, estimators that all they do, their primary task is to run takeoffs. Then uh, our, one of our lead estimators will take those takeoffs and, and build upon them and, and, and put together a complete bid. Once they've assembled the bid, they'll bring it into my office. We'll review it together, and I'll give them some pointers, some notes. They'll go back, make those changes, and send it out the door. When I first came over, we were lacking leadership in our department. When I came over, I had zero intentions of being the vice president of pre-construction. I was assigned a uh, young estimator as an assistant, but I'd rather, again, it sounds kind of brute, but I'd rather have a bunch of killers around me, a bunch of badasses around me than, than, than people helping me out. So one of the first things I told my young estimator was, like, don't waste my time. I'm going to pour whatever little knowledge I have into our operation and, you know, hopefully help me grow. If I see that they're doing something wrong, I'll point it out, and I'll put a dollar figure to it. Oh, we forgot to put in a gate valve? All right, that's going to cost you 4500 bucks. Oh, you forgot to do this pavement removal and replacement? It's going to cost you 25 30 bucks a square foot. It goes back to trying to paint the picture. As an estimator, I find it easier to train an estimator if they're willing to learn and have a good attitude, I will pour every little bit of knowledge that I have about our industry into those guys so that later on down the road, if they choose to, they can easily move over to the project management side. The project management side, you have to have experience. You have to know what you're dealing with. If you don't understand what you're doing, it's going to be hard for you to run a job efficiently. If we're not efficient, we're not making money. You know, it's not about productivity. It's not about safety. It's not... Not just about productivity, not just about safety, not just about going out there digging fast. It's about being efficient. It's about 
sending every one of our guys back home better than they were when they first came in. Doing it once, doing it right. Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Exactly. So, Mark Devine, right? So, you have to gain the experience. You have to put in the hours. You have to eat those bad sandwiches that we were talking about prior to the podcast and doing those things that we were talking about prior to the podcast. You really have to learn those lessons. So experience, you know, some, someone someone here recently was telling me that, you know, experience is best lived. You have to go through those life experiences and make those mistakes in order for you to really, really learn. Or you can watch somebody make those mistakes and say, hey, shit, I don't want to make those mistakes because you know, I'm going to get my hand slapped. So the best way to learn a lesson is to learn it from somebody else. Yeah. The most memorable way to learn it is to do it yourself, though. And that's exactly. generally the way it goes. Yeah. So uh, as an estimator, it, it, we have, under good guidance and good leadership, we are able to, I'm able to train an estimator a bit easier than it is on the project management side. So on the project management side, personally, I expect you to know what you're looking at and, and know and realize that your job is to manage the job and maximize whatever the estimators put on the table. So, uh, again, I call my guys a bunch of killers, a bunch of, you know, we go out there and do all the hunting. We bring the, the, the you know, we harvest the meat, bring it to the table. And what is our, you know, what, what are the rest of our teams going to do to make a delicious, delicious, you know, meal out of that plate? Estimating comes, that's, I feel like that's my unique ability. I've been doing it for many years now. Professionally, as, on, as a utility, uh, on the, in the utility world and Again, when my dad had that foundation repair business, I was out there selling pure jobs. So I was selling foundation repair jobs. I was that's a hard business, cubing, man. <laughs> cubing, cubing yards out so we can get the concrete out there. Doing you know doing a little bit of flat work. So estimating comes a little bit more natural to me than managing. I am a better estimator than I am a project manager, but I've had the pleasure of working in in both phases. I've had the pleasure of working on the estimated management and operations side, which is great. Every one of those, every one of those teams has a lot of things that we can, you know, take joy in. Project management, you have a lot more interaction. You have to deal with the operations. You have to deal with the the GC or the developer. On the estimating side, we're trying to compete against, you know, some some of these deals. We go up against twelve utility contractors. As we work our way up to better partnerships, we narrow down that competition right to where if in the past we're one of 12, maybe we're one of three now. I love both, man. Like I said, I've worked on estimating management and operations. I could wear any of those hats at any time. I prefer to be an estimator on the estimating side. I I just love to kill me. I love to hunt. I love going out there and helping um, on the design portion of the project. We've, We've helped several of our clients or partners bring their budgets down where we start a ten million for for our scope of work, and we cut that down to five million by the time we actually go and build the project. So, it, it, they they all have their pros and cons. I just, overall, I just love being in construction. It's, it's just it brings up uh, gives me a lot of pleasure. It highlights a good point too, because a lot of people think of estimating as like the boring job in the office, staring at the screen, but. The reality is, is when you're a good estimator, when you're good at it, that's really where the creativity is in the business. Because at the end of the day, you're bidding the job on how you're going to do it and being creative with how you're going to accomplish that job and how you're going to move that dirt and put that pipe in. And like you said, you can literally look at it and save money. This job we're starting up next week, I did the exact same thing. Shaved almost 400000 off the job just by changing how we were going to do it. Some people look at that and it's like, man, you left four hundred grand on the table. Well, at the end of the day, I just saved that client 400000 bucks. We were a higher bid than a lot of other people, but we saved them a lot of money in a certain area of that scope. You built trust with that customer right off the hop because you went there and we could have just went and done it how they 
said to do it. And instead you save them money and show them another way. You've now built trust with that customer. You're starting to build a good relationship with that customer. And when the next job comes up and the next one and the next one, you're going to be calling you to look at this and say, Hey, what can we do here? How can we do this? And that's, that's what the business is. It's relationship based. Exactly, man. I got into the utility world back in 2000, 2007, right before the recession in 2008. And building those relationships and partnerships really will do a lot of good. The uh, utility company that I worked for at the time is no longer in business, but I still have longstanding relationships from there, man. Some, some of the, my best friends in the industry are still out there, you know, as leaders. They're leading the, the operations departments, the management departments, and it's very enjoyable. But building those relationships up and down the chain of command will help you be successful. Right now we're living in, there's abundant work out there. There's plenty of work out there for everybody to, to you know, to make a living and a decent living and, and you know, put, put, a, put a meal on the table for the family and take care of the family. But um, in 2008, there were, excuse my language, but there were a shit ton of us out there, you know, just begging for a job. That's how I went from working, the, you know, as an estimator on the utility side to an estimator on the flooring side. They were the only people that were looking for an estimator, and it was really a blessing from above that I, I came across this company, and they, they wanted a new construction estimator that was just bidding, you know, floors, carpet, vinyl, ceramics, and whatnot. And again, I took whatever little skills I had and I applied it to to that trade, and I enjoyed it while it lasted. But man, I, I just feel that I like playing out here in the dirt, man. I just like to, you know, digging trenches and laying pipe and you know getting you know getting dirty. So I hear that. I will say it's a different kind of guy. Um, I think there's, I call them Mustangs, the guys that can do both. They're really good estimators, but they're also awesome project managers. It's a rare guy you can find that can do both. That's just, he's got the instinct to do both. He can be the killer as an estimator, but also be the killer when he needs to be as a project manager. Because unfortunately, as a project manager, most of the time you are the face of the company. You're the the head guy on that job site with the superintendent. So you're the kicking horse. Yeah, all they're seeing is the the guy running the job and the guy running the money, and that's the two guys they see. So a lot of times, especially as a PM, you need to have that estimating experience, though, because you have to know what stuff costs in order to effectively run that job to keep that superintendent on budget, keep that superintendent hitting his cliff notes that you're setting for him to hit. And so it's a very difficult job. I will say, as I've done pretty much most of them now, the hardest job for me is being a PM because you're always the guy usually with bad news (laughs) about, so what you want me to do, unfortunately, that was not bidding the job. It's not in the contract. And then you got to have that conversation a lot of times. So it's always, you got to have people skills as a project manager. You got to be polite. You got to be professional. Firm, but nice. Yeah. You got to be polite, be professional, but you got to have a plan to, like we just talked about, be a killer. So it's, it's just how it is. My PM that I have, phenomenal guy. And today we're sitting there and he goes, we're having a disagreement about a erosion control thing and something else. And not in our scope we always bid just to install and usually landscaper takes it out well they want us to take their rock entrance out i'm like no problem we'll do that so we gave them a price to do it and they're like, oh well you just should do it it's not in the scope and here's the price well i don't understand you still got to put a turn lane right there okay doesn't matter we didn't bid to do that so we have to you have to pay us to remove that we just were out there a month ago blue top in the job and they could have asked us to do it then and i wouldn't have even brought anything up about it just would have done it put it on a truck and this would have been the end of it We've been off the job a month. So now I'm having to sit here and argue with this guy for nothing. You guys know. 
this is over. This is crumbs, man, just to cover our costs. And they're fighting us tooth and nail about it. And then we go more out there before they had a design change, give us a change order all day. Like it's no big deal, but just to, just to, just to remove rock entrance. That's why I love estimating <laughs> to both of you. That That's the part of the job that I don't, I'm not going to miss having to deal with anymore. Uh, it's nice knowing I have a guy now that I can go, Oh, have fun with that. I got you. Whatever you need, I got your bag. But effective communication, man. A very wise man in the industry once told me that the hardest thing that we do, not only at work but in life, is communicating. Yep. Clear, precise communication. So yep. um, if we can communicate from the get-go, like, hey, we're going to install it, but somebody else has got to haul it off, then we have no 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 room for argument. If we, if we can communicate like, hey, man, I'll do it, but just help me cover the cost. We'll get it done. It, it, it's, it's communication is probably the hardest things that we do. Not and probably. It is the hardest thing that we do in every freaking day, man. And the worst part was it was communicated. And the, then I had to send the screenshot of that email showing that, hey, we're going to install this, but you need to get somebody else out here to take care of this. If not, this is the price to do it. We've honored the price. It's been over a year. Stuff's gone up. I know everybody in the room knows that. I'm still honoring the price from a year ago. And they got, oh, I'm not paying. Well, all right, man. I'm not going to do it. So there you go. But I noticed it's getting worse. Like we were just talking about before, especially with the economy, everybody's tightening the belt a little bit. Oh, yeah. They're getting real nicky picky about stuff now. They used to throw you a little extra money for something. Now they're wanting to fight you about it. And Well, that's where their relationships come into place, right? Having good, great relationships up and down the chain. It's, you know, communicating well with the partnership that you have and, and, and them understanding that you have overriding costs and you have payroll you have to meet. And then you suppliers or your subs, you know, if you have trucking subs or whatever subs you have, understanding too how, you know, every once in a while we all have to pitch in as a team and, and, and add and contribute to to that project. We may not make 100 bucks on that project. We might make 99 but on the next project, more than likely, you know, everybody will remember that effort that was put into that project to complete that project. And hopefully, you know, he, he helps bring on more businesses and, you know, keep the doors open when, when things get tight, man. Because, again, as a young estimator, I got into – I started as an estimator in 2007, July 2007. And shortly thereafter, I watched the world collapse. I went from – I literally watched every one of my coworkers, you know, walk out the door, you know, get laid off and walk out the door. It was painful. So that's one of the things that drives me. I don't want to – I don't want to witness that again – witness – that again to where, you know, I've, I've learned my lessons and, and I shared those lessons as best I can with the, with the rest of my team. And one thing that I always emphasize on it, like, look, we have to perform across every branch. Every, every team in our company has to perform in order for us to keep going. But it starts here. If we can't make that kill, if we can't bring on a good, healthy project, we're going to put the project manager in hot water as soon as we, you know, as soon as we get a contract. And then operations is going to be in hot water. And then by the time we go punch it out, we're going to be in hot water. So why don't we do our best, you know, put forward our best effort and really, you know, do our jobs as estimators and, you know, make 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 a buck. We don't have to go out there and make a million bucks time and time again. We have, you know, hopefully hopefully our partners understand that we have to make a living. And hopefully, we, you know, we, we have a whole bunch of good partners out there. Everyone's going to make a fair profit. At the exactly. end of the day, a partnership only works if it's a two-way street. You know? Exactly. When you're negotiating with somebody, if you're just trying to, if you're trying to get everything on that negotiation on your side, and the other person is just losing everything, 
they're going to leave that with a sour taste in their mouth, you know, and nobody really wins in that. You might win that one job and that one negotiation, but they're not going to want to work with you again in the future. And that's where it really comes down to both parties got to walk away winning. They both got to walk away with something. Not every situation is a win-win situation, but we can definitely aim to have as many of those balanced, balanced, balanced outcomes. If you like my services, help me keep the doors open. I got a question for you. What's something you guys have implemented over there so you guys ain't having to come back to the job six times? So one of the things that we've done, especially with Holoff, is uh, on some of these major uh, subdivisions or uh, single-family rentals is uh, flying the, the drone. So mm-hmm. as soon as the dirt guy leaves, do a, do a, you know, fly the drone, find out, you know, where everybody, but you know, where the cuts were at. And uh, after we... Um, we finish installing the utility, same deal, and kind of present out those those models and be like, all right, here's the job site as we took it. Here's the job site as we're leaving it. Quality control, we built up our um, uh, superintendent team. So we have more generals. We have uh, we try to minimize the amount of crews per general superintendent so they can really pay attention to what's going on. We uh, When I came over, I, I, we started doing handoff meetings between pre-construction and project management. For the last couple of years, project management has been doing the same deal where they do thorough and comprehensive handoff meetings from uh, project management to operations. We have uh, monthly uh, WIT meetings to where uh, the project managers get to go in front of the big man and, and answer what you know what's going on with the projects. We're continuously growing, either help our people grow or bringing on higher quality people to help us throughout the project. Again, when I first came over, I was we're doing about 60% more volume now than we were when I first came over. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've watched our project managers grow. I've watched our estimators grow. Implementing all those little lessons from, from you know some of the mistakes that we made over the years is actually helping us stay away from having to redo, you know, relay that pipe. You know that when you got to go back out <laughs> On the utility world, you got to go back out there and dig that trench when everything, you know, when the paving's on top of you already. It's going to cost you four times, five times as much to go back out there and rework that that, mm-hmm. that sewer line or that water line. So, um, quality control. We uh, we've also um, we've grown our safety department. Now we have two in-house safety uh, coordinators and and a third party that goes out there and and. and uh, business or job size on a weekly basis. The guys are, the project management team is working on on uh, implementing new software to help them manage the jobs as well. We implement the traction to, to help us grow the business in a healthy way. As part of traction, we meet every week. So the executive team, the executive teams meet uh, every, every Thursday, 1030. We have 90 minutes worth of meetings. We review our scorecard. So our scorecard has about 12 key numbers, the key indicators that we follow to kind of follow trends to see where we're at. I report two numbers on that scorecard. Project management reports some numbers. Finance department reports other numbers, and, and we, we we review them every week and, and kind of see where we're at. But it and gets everybody on the same page. Exactly. Everyone knows where the company stands, where you're at, what your target needs to be, how much you got to improve in different areas. You're tracking numbers. Exactly. When so, you track data, you can make improvements you can fix it exactly so we we set a goal we have a one three and ten year goal that that we track and those measurables kind of shows and and tell us where we're at so it's awesome how big is moss how many guys you got at moss 
Right now we're north of uh, right around 300 and 307, 310 employees. So about 1,200 souls that we're responsible for. And you guys fired up 2016, was it? Yes, right around there. Uh, nice. Garrett, uh, Garrett started right around that time. And um, again, I uh, came over in uh, June of 2020. Nice. It's awesome. That's a lot of growth in a short period. It is, man. I've seen about 60% growth or more. Yeah, That's crazy. So we went from about 160, 180 employees to where we're at now. So, yeah. So how long have you guys been doing traction? What was the? Roughly two years. How much growth would you figure you guys have seen in that two-year period? A whole bunch. Yeah. So we uh, we were over at Rock Island in Irvine uh, up until April, May of last year. We moved to the new building April. Estimators prematurely moved to the uh, <laughs> to, into the building. We got our asses chewed by uh, an individual. <laughs> the big guy gave us a green light, but um, somebody chewed our ass for, for moving in too quick. But um, we, we were uh, ahead. Two estimators out in the hallway, two estimators doubled up in one office. I had my own office, but a few people had to share offices. So about, we moved in April of 2020, last year, 2022. Yeah. So That's awesome. Yeah, it's an awesome setup, man. I got to go over there a couple times now. And I was supposed to go over and meet Brian for lunch. I haven't made it there yet. It's an awesome place, <laughs> man. You got to go check it out. It's they, they really take care of their guys. Yeah, it's a good layup. Man. It gives That's me... Cool. It gets me motivated when I go over there. I'm like, 10-year plan, 10-year plan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's a good place, man. It's a good place. The, uh, the, 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 the area where we're at is getting redeveloped, so we're seeing a bunch of new construction across the highway. We're right off of 35 and Walnut Hill. For yeah, those yeah. people that are here in the Dallas area, you all know what I'm talking about, but it's, uh, it's wonderful. There's lots of good taco places around there. We're conveniently located, so we can drive to Las Colinas. We can go to Frisco within 15, 30 minutes. Uh, so it's been great, man. Like I said, I've, I've watched this company grow over the last three years, and it's, it's been a pleasure. What's your 10-year plan? Where do you see yourself? Personally, uh, you know, continued growth every day. I, uh, we, you know, one of our core values at Moss is to uh, continue growth. I turned 41 this year, hit the big 40 last year, and uh, so that, that's how I kickstarted my 40s with 75 hard. Nice, I turned nice. uh, 40 in February, and then uh, shortly after that, the Turned 40, two days after that, I, two to four days after that, I started 75 hard on a Monday. I learned a whole bunch and then uh, slowly implementing those lessons learned and, and, and adding more. I have a teenage daughter that's a sophomore now here at Saxe High School. So um, I'm reworking my 10-year goal. Nice. I'm blessed to be where I'm at. I'm really happy with how life is, is playing out. I like it. So That's cool. What tips or tricks or pointers would you give to guys that are looking to get into estimating? You you have two ears, so you have to listen twice as much. If you have an experienced estimator there or individual that's willing to share their lessons with you, listen to what they got to say. We don't know everything out there. And I always tell my guys, whatever little I know about our industry is just a small decimal of what's out there. Uh, I've had the opportunity to work on the excavating. I've done excavation, paving on utilities, all that once, and I had to play every freaking role on it. And it was a pleasure, <laughs> man. I, I learned so much. So if you're willing to, if you're willing to learn, just know that you're gonna have to eat some bad sandwiches along the way. You have to, you know, you have to get your scrapes. You have to get your scratches in. But our industry is very rewarding. I, I, I love, especially on the excavation part. You guys come in, and more often than not, you guys take a piece of land that's 
full of vegetation, trees, creeks running through it, scrape the hell out of it, make a big stockpile that nobody knows what the heck that dirt's doing over there in that corner, right? <laughs> but we know. And, and then, they, you know, you, you guys cut everything to grade. You give us, a, you know, you know, plus or minus 10. We come in, you guys leave, you know, excavation guys leave us a nice, pretty job site. We come in and turn it into a complete freaking mess when we come in like a pipe. <laughs> Looks like Flanders Field in freaking yeah. France. <laughs> and then we try we to just fuck it all up. <laughs> and, then, and then we do our best to put it back to gray, right? There's to, like to, two to, of y'all in town that do that. Let's clarify that. <laughs> I think it's y'all in North Texas Underground. I can shout <laughs> out to them. Because I do a lot of work with those guys. I've done a couple with y'all. Y'all great at least too. <laughs> yeah. So you know, we, we try to we try to put the site well, we do our best to put the site back to the to the conditions where we you know, how how we found it. And then uh, you know, here comes the the paving guy and then here comes a structural guy and then twelve to 18, 18 months later we see this beautiful structure sticking out of the ground or maybe three years on these high rise buildings, right? But the the blazing that we have to take a uh, bare piece of land and, and build something beautiful on it or something functional that adds to our community. We, we're building schools. We're building, you know, the commercial retail stuff. We've got to, you know, we need that stuff out there. But building those hospitals, those schools, it's a pleasure, man. It's great. You know, you, you, you're you adding value. Oftentimes, you know, I'm driving around. I'm like, oh, I worked in that deal as a project manager. I was a concrete, you know, guy doing that thing. And I worked as a carpenter working, you know, I worked as a carpenter on the hospital or every blue collar guy driving around town. Exactly. Man, you know, so <laughs> it is it, very joyful. man. I really take a lot. You know, I get a lot of joy out of our industry and then out of my my job, my career. It's so, awesome. Man. So the love of my life cracks me up because she'll she's in here with us right now. But she'll uh, she'll call me. She goes, I'm at your Whataburger right now. I'm driving on your smooth pavement that you got out here because I know you graded this. You know everything else is bumpy around here, but this parking lot's pretty smooth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because that's Iron Eagle did that. You know? I don't see any puddles here. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, yeah. we're yeah. good. We, we know how to grade. The one puddles from the utility contractor, he fucked up when yeah. he packed his trench. Fucking asshole. <laughs> don't know how to backfill shit. <laughs> you ever heard of a vibratory roller, bro? <laughs> Jesus. I will say, man, the, the one thing I notice is something that I've, you know, talking about dirt and pipe. Pipe guys can seem to venture into excavation because they can get some excavation guys to come over there and help them and kick ass at it. Dirt guys cannot cross that road and go into pipe, and I've never been able to understand it. I'm a prime example of it. I tried to di- I tried to dabble in pipe a little bit, and I have I just don't have the experience in it, man. Like I I can look at a set of utility plans and know exactly what needs to go where it needs to go and flow and all that, but it's learning embedment costs, learning your foot all that and so there's a lot more goes into it than a dirt job yes we have suppliers too but we don't have the level of suppliers you guys are dealing with and then you always get that one-off job you gotta have some off-the-wall part for that they just don't have in stock so you gotta wait for it to get custom made and then six weeks back order and you gotta time it right so when you're out there the material drops and it, it there's a lot more to it than on the dirt side i will say that so on the excavation part we have the geotechnical report. That's our Bible, right? It, yep. it dictates everything. On the utility side, we have the geotech report that we have to deal with so we can set our site conditions and our, in, our, in our productions at. Yep. We also have the municipalities to deal with because although we have uh, NCOG, we have the North Texas Central Council of Governments, every municipality around us does whatever they want with oh, the yeah. development. <laughs> with That's their own rules. All right. Every municipality 
has their own sets of uh, specs that, that we have to go by. So it matters a lot knowing what that city requires in particular for a domestic service. The price difference between copper and SDR9 is, you know, a poly is going to be, you know, we can buy a 100-foot roll of poly for 200 bucks. We're paying $23, $24 a linear foot on a 2-inch copper. So knowing and understanding what it takes to get the job done helps a lot. Yeah. It's, it's those little details. How does that go? The, de- the devil's in the details? Yep. So oh, yeah. So it's, it's understanding those details. One of my estimators put it best. It's like, man, what we're doing here is uh, we're taking an open open book test. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be some dumbasses if we fail because we have all this shit in front of us. So we we have to be thorough and know what we're dealing with. And It's all in the details, man. It's all in the details. Well, like we talked about on the, I think it was two episodes ago, or was it the last episode we were talking about, like, cut to fill? Was that last episode? I don't know. might have been. Yeah. Fair to say. I will say, though, it, it is so much harder in dirt though <laughs> to make up time you know in pipe you can throw another crew out there dig some more trench set the pipe if you need to throw an extra excavator out there just to speed up the trench if you're on a cut fill job and it rains for seven days doesn't matter how much iron you throw on that job it, you got to try to somehow make up seven days worth of cut to fill yeah i mean it's just mass x jobs are they're, they're a gamble and the margins are small as it is so you really got to you got to go. I mean, that's the problem with dirt. The quality of the work sometimes has to go out the window just to get the production to pay the bills. And that's where guys get themselves in trouble because they let the, they're just so worried about how many loads you get today? How many loads you get today? How many loads you get today? They're not worried about, oh, well, did we put it in the right spot to begin with? Did we? <laughs> you know I mean? And then you get, concrete guy comes out there and goes, yeah, this shit's all foot high, dude. Like, you know, it's, it's a gamble, man. I mean, it is. And the same in pipe. I mean, I know it can be a gamble. You guys can go out there and nail a water line when you're trying to do a tap. I mean, next thing you know, there's some money coming out of the pocket right there. We do have, uh, you know, Texas A11, but more often than not, there's going to be a line that's not marked, marked. or it's marked in the, you know, the wrong wrong side of the road. Or well, that guys line's are, dead. Road Those guys, guys are exactly. never wrong. No, never. So <laughs> just like every part of every team has uh, something to take pride and joy on. There's also risk on every mm-hmm. in every portion of the work that we do, whether it's uh, digging, you know, doing uh, classified excavation and you come across on market utilities or the guy that's working on the high-rise building, you know, falling off, you know, having a fall or falling off the ladder or whatnot. But I think it adds to the joy, right? It adds to like, hey, we accomplished something that was pretty hard to accomplish. We built something that, that took two, three years to build, but look at what's standing now. Look at, you know, Sexy High School has around 32, 3,300 students. Some of the newer high schools up north in Prospera, they're probably housing 5,000 students or more. It adds joy to it. Yeah. It adds joy to the mission. For sure. You know, it's it's super cool when you're driving down the highway and you got a buddy in the truck or something to come visit or whatever. And you're like, yeah, I built that. My guy's built that. My guy's built that. My guy's built that. And then something you might've built a few years ago. Oh, I built that one. I ran that job. You know, it's, it's cool. You know, it's humbling. And you know, you're adding to society. And then you go, you know, you turn 40 or go beyond 40 and you start driving around and you're like, you know what, back, back before we built this school here, there used to be a church and prior to that, was, you know, Stonehenge, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, we I, dug up dinosaur bones. Yeah. And- <laughs> I tell him all the time about Frisco. You and me know that oh, growing yeah. up. I remember when Frisco was old, 
had a blinking red light and the yep. square was it that was it it was all farmland all around it yep now it's some of the most expensive real estate in the state dude it's crazy nobody wanted to live up there back then dude yeah that, that was all farmers and trailer parks it's all Christ, i got notification today there i got an email from chamber of commerce in princeton there's 8400 students going to school in princeton <laughs> i remember when we built the walmart did you guys do that walmart with us no the one in princeton no, I don't. Oh man, I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't know right off the top. I know we are. Uh, we're doing several projects out there in Princeton. No, no, no. no I'm, this is this is before Moss for you. Did you do the the Walmart up there? I did not. So when I was working at, uh, I I got into the industry at Blue Ridge Construction that okay. that was based out of Blue Ridge, Texas. Yeah, I so know. Just Blue north, Ridge, yeah. just north of Princeton. I used to go to lunch uh, there in Princeton, and the fancy place that we had was the Catfish Cove. <laughs> and we would go there about every, you know, every couple of months. I would go there with my uh, Matt. Uh, Matt would take me down there for lunch, and uh, we had Sonic, McDonald's, and I was super freaking excited when they added the Jack in the Box. Man, I was so. My brother and I used to drive down there and and then get, get us a couple of jumbo jacks and, and four tacos. But I took a drive through Princeton not too long ago and and was amazed on how much it's grown. Oh, it's changed. Yeah, it's and nuts. It, and it's still growing. It's, I built the Walmart up there when I was at my old company. I built the Dairy Queen. Shit, you're practically the mayor. Yeah, I yeah. built something else big out there. We built a couple of the neighborhoods up there. Yeah. When, and it was funny when we were building it because our vice president of our company was like, where the hell are y'all working at? Princeton. Where the hell's Princeton? He had no idea where we were at. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, because it was such a small town back then. So it was pretty funny. You know, it's <laughs> it's like where I grew up in Sanger. You know, up until five, six years ago, most people in the Metroplex never heard of Sanger. But now they're building so much in Crumb and Sanger that. Oh, yeah. It was, oh, you live, you grew up in Sanger? I'm like, yeah, well, Sanger didn't used to have a red light. <laughs> yeah. They didn't. It didn't. It had stop signs. That's all it had. Yeah, yeah, I remember those days. Now, <laughs> now here we are, uh, beating the second high school out there. All the so. Oklahoma guys used to come down because they got tired of drinking their three-two beer, so they drive down to Sanger because Gainesville was dry. So they drive down to Sanger, the gas station, buy beer. Yeah, you always see Oki plates back then, dude. You're like, what are you guys doing, bomb beer? Got this three-two beer in Oklahoma. <laughs> I don't really got much else to. You got anything else you want to talk about, guys? I think we've had a kick-ass show, man. I. Just, can, you know, I just want to say thank you for inviting me, and um, we're definitely having you back on anytime. And uh, after you do seventy five hard again, yeah. And I got to talk to I got to talk to Garrett about borrowing you on a Friday to come give some motivational speaking classes at the office. I might have to steal you for a day. We're like, I'll borrow your borrow your guy anytime, dude. Anytime <laughs> you got my number. <laughs> yeah, he might get mad at me, but I'll ask him. I'll, I'll ask politely. We're like, Garrett, can I borrow him? <laughs> Just, just challenge him to a pickleball game, and I'm pretty sure. I'm trying to get him to come on the show, dude. I've been trying to get him to come on for like six months. I'm like, Garrett, come on the show, dude. I, I, I got a lot going on. He does, he man. He's a busy guy. Oh, dude, that dude is slammed. Every time I text him, he's like, hey, I got to hit you back later. I'm like, all right, cool, man, whatever. Yeah. Honestly, it's great. It's great to know that we're, we're probably one of the – he loves selling selling work, and it's great to know that he's got the confidence and not only myself, but the rest of the team to, to put on the work. So anytime that he's put out a challenge, more often than not, we've crushed that challenge. That man has got nothing but grit, man. He is ultimate badass at this business and nothing but respect for him. And the guys he has underneath him, he built a badass team underneath him. And it shows. I hope one day I can be a tenth of it, you know. 
<laughs> Start reading that book, man. Yeah, read that, read I got that some, track soon. I got the guys, man. That's the thing. That's I finally feel like I got the team in place now that we're really going to go to that next level. And I know you feel that way, too. We were talking about that the other day. Some of the guys you got now, you're feeling really confident, too. Yeah, hard and fast, though. Jesus. You got so it, four man. more guys today. Bro, that's how you know you're doing it right. <laughs> it's 15 so. guys in three months. Hey, man. Nice. He's, he's going to be knocking on the door pretty soon. Anyways, guys, I want to say thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting the show. Like I said, if you guys want that cheat sheet from us again, it's ongrade88 at gmail.com. Daniel, you're on LinkedIn, brother. Is there anywhere else anybody wants to look you up? If you want to give anything else out, totally understand if you don't. That's my professional social media right there, yeah. man. Daniel Villanueva on LinkedIn. Uh, been under for a few years now. So, If you're friends with me and Devin, you're all, you'll be able to find him. He's he's one of our connections, guys. So okay. definitely reach out to him. He posts some awesome stuff on there. Most of the guys from Moss do post some pretty incredible motivating posts. I won't lie. When I'm having a bad day, I read years of Garrett's. They usually give me that. Yeah. <laughs> Real quick, though, I just want to say thanks, guys. If you guys could give us our five stars on Spotify, please like, share, and subscribe. If you're watching us on YouTube, we have merch. If you guys want to buy a hat or a shirt or whatever. Also, we're working on the roundtable. We keep saying that every episode. I'm going to actually get on it. Yeah, we'll probably try to have you come do that. Anytime, man. Yeah, we're wanting to do a few estimating ones, so probably do one about dirt and one about pipe. I really think that would help a lot of these guys. It's like the number one question we get asked, how to estimate. Can you guys talk jobs. about estimating more? It's like, well, we might need to just get on Zoom and really do it. You know what I mean? So, um We'll definitely work on that. If you could on Apple, please just rate and leave a review. I don't care if it's my breath stinks or, you know, I don't know. I, I, you didn't do anything tonight for me to make a joke about. No, you get, yeah. get, get creative on there. And yeah. Brandon will give you a nice bow wrapped hat. We'll mail it yeah, to you. We'll mail it to you. By the way, guys, we do have hats. If you want a hat, hit me up on the IG. Uh, by the way, our IG did grow. I think that message finally got out to some people. We yeah. gained like 25 followers. Uh, we still need more now. love. Please like our Instagram page. Every other page we were blowing up, but just Instagram. It's like, it's like they don't like us. We're not cool. You, I don't know. You guys got to get on that X. Twitter's, uh, Twitter's no longer around, but the new X is out there, man. Really? So. I've checked that out. I've never run Twitter, dude. I, I, I had one. I think I set it up, and I never even did anything with it. Well, it's not as fun anymore without Trump on there. He's back, though. Is he? <laughs> yeah, ever since Elon took it back. No, well, really? hold on. Oh, I'm not 100% sure on that. I do know that um I do know that Elon has uh, you know lacks the rules a little bit more and he's he's more open to Yeah, I deleted it back when they got real liberal a couple of years ago. Oh I it up man, again. you got you got to get back under, man. There's a <laughs> bunch of good stuff under now. I, I um he recently went moved away from Twitter and now it's called just X. Yeah, so yeah, it, yeah. It's, you know That'll be pretty sweet. Also, guys, we do have a uh Patreon if you want to donate to that. We would really appreciate it. it helps with the show. Helps us pay for stuff, pay for our editing, stuff like that. Getting guests on the show from out of state, stuff like that. We are going to have Colton and James Devinney coming in next week. We're going to do a special with them, too. So we're going to have Dirty and Driven and the Certified Wrench here. So that'll be a pretty cool show. We're just going to do the Mafia show we were talking about doing. Big old gangbang. The gangbang. So that'll be on Saturday. We're going to barbecue and have some fun with that. So definitely check it out. But uh, that's all I got, man. Uh, you got anything else, brother? That's it, man. Like, share, subscribe. If you got any questions, hit us up. Any of the platforms, leave a comment, whatever. We'll get to it. And uh, thanks for watching. Yeah. 
Stay classy, stay humble, and keep that grit up, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. You've been listening to the On Grade Podcast. If you're wanting to get into the business, grow your business, or learn more about the trades of construction, this is your hub. Brandon and Devin both own excavation companies in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And on each show, you'll hear from the business owners and leaders that make the industry tick. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Instagram at on underscore grade TX. On Facebook at on grade podcast. On YouTube at on grade 5384. And find the show on Spotify and Apple. See you next time on the on grade podcast.